good afternoon, everybody. It's a delight to be back with all of you and update you this week. We have a lot of information again, and uh, uh, Dr. Parahone is with us today. We've uh, invited uh, our public, uh, public education department secretary-designate Kurt Steinos to be with us today to update you on what is happening in schools, and we'll have our usual epidemiologic and hospital data. We have a little bit more good news than we've had in past weeks, and that's a good thing, but still lots of areas for concern, and we're looking forward to going over all this information with you today, getting some follow-up answers to some of your questions from prior weeks, and uh, continuing this excellent dialogue that we're having with our media partners about the various aspects of managing this pandemic here in New Mexico. And with that, I'm gonna turn this over uh, uh, <clears throat> Deputy Secretary Laura Parahone from the Department of Health. Laura is actually responsible for uh, a very large part of the activities in the Department of Health. And she's gonna be giving us an update today as usual on vaccines and for the first time and going forward on testing. And so this is an opportunity for me to delegate some of this work to people who have even greater expertise than I do. So with that, I'm gonna turn it over to you, Laura, and uh, Dr. Steinhaus and I will turn off our cameras for a bit and we'll be back. All right, thank you so much, David. And uh, welcome everybody to today. And um, yeah, so once again, thank you so much, New Mexico, for getting vaccinated. It's pretty incredible. 79% of New Mexicans 18 and over and 62.5% of 12 to 17 year olds have received at least one dose. And then we have 69.2 of New Mexicans 18 and over and 51.6% 12 to 17 are fully vaccinated. So that's pretty incredible. Um, every week we're going about between a half a percent and 1% more. That's, that's more lives saved every day. And so if you look at the right-hand side, you can see everyone in New Mexico is doing their part and every week we're improving. So good job. And coming soon, we're still working on that dashboard with updates to reflect any additional doses. Um, next slide. Um, one of the exciting things that has happened last week is that President Biden um, put forth his COVID-19 action plan, um, which is called the path out of the pandemic. So if you want to link to the actual plan down below, there's a link to the plan, but basically it has six components, vaccinating the unvaccinated, further protecting the unvaccinated with booster doses, keeping schools safely open, as uh, Kurt will share with us later on today, uh, protecting our economic recovery, uh, increasing testing and requiring masking, and improving care for those with COVID-19, uh, such as the monoclonal antibody, all things that New Mexico, New Mexico has been doing. So it's, it's exciting to live in this state. Um, the key points for the vaccination um, in, the, in the plan, which is exciting as well as paid time off for vaccination and recovery for most um, people who are working. And that's that's actually really helpful for those of you who are worried about, you know, getting sick for a little, for like one or two days to recover. Um, executive orders requiring vaccination for Medicaid and Medicaid certified and Medicare facilities, and then federal employees and all things to keep us safe and to keep our community safe. 
Next slide. Um, one of the um, great things about that, uh, that plan, also they shared a new CDC guide for the 12 COVID-19 vaccine strategies for communities. And actually, once again, uh, New Mexico has been at the forefront of this as well, and we've done all those strategies. So that includes home-delivered vaccinations, EMS and others have been doing COVID vaccinations in people's homes, uh, workplace vaccinations as well. So uh, people, uh, we have uh, many mobile teams that are going out to workplaces, uh, vaccination requirements, uh, vaccine ambassadors. We've trained a lot of community health workers to share information as well as doing motivational interviewing, um, medical provider vaccine standardization, the TakeCareNewMexico.org site standardizes our vaccine and gets our providers all ready and set to go. So once again, encouraging our providers to continue doing that. Medical re reminders through our great app that has been reminding people about the vaccine. And then um, financial incentives, we've done that with $100 incentives. Um, also effective messengers through our trusted messenger program and also providers recommending the vaccine. So many of you providers have been really helping people to get the information they need. And then um, school located vaccine vaccination programs. Kurt will talk more about that and just the exciting work they've been doing and combating misinformation. So I won't go into detail on all those, but it's exciting that New Mexico is working on all these different strategies. And that's because of many of you who've come alongside us to help out with this. Uh, next slide. And then one of the things we're trying to do to combat misinformation and also just make it easier for people to get the resources they need is to have a resource center. So we have a New Mexico DOH Community Resource Center and that you can click on the top, you can do it in English, Spanish or Vietnamese right now. And it'll have updates, um, updates like what's the latest public health order link. Um, it'll have the registration link to vaccines, the COVID-19 testing link, uh, link to monoclonal antibody, to booster shots, to flyers. So if you want to download flyers to, you know, get uh, more people vaccinated, flip charts. So we have our educational flip chart that combats most common myths. And a lot of our community health workers have been using that. Uh, trainings, um, data for people to get, and resources. So you can link onto this and then we also have new vaccine reports and all of this is trying to just get information out to all of you who are working to get more people vaccinated. So um, Brianna, could you share the um, new link? So um, we're excited about sharing this and um, thanks to our whole data team and our IT team and communications team who helped us uh, get this up. So if you go to medical and scientific reports and click on vaccine reports, right here, it's great. Um, we now have our COVID-19 vaccine equity reports. And that's really to share, um, you can click on here to download the latest one and it'll share with you the latest COVID vaccine data for the week. Um, it will be put up, yeah, so here's, you know, just here's just some things that are on it. It has data by race, um, ethnicity, by poverty, by uh, ge geography, so you can kind of look through that and um, help guide your vaccine efforts wherever you are. 
So that's, um, that's the latest data that we have. So we're excited about sharing that. And please share any comments with us or any other data or information you need. But um, yeah, we're really excited to share this. Next slide, great. Great, so um, one of the things too, um, a very enterprising um, reporter uh, sent us a question about our one of our equity slides, which is uh, looking at the population vaccinated, the percent population vaccinated by the social vulnerability index, which the social vulnerability index is actually a number from zero to one, zero being less vulnerable and 1.0 being the highest vulnerable and asked us um, whether the social vulnerability index numbers, how some of them were different from the CDC. So we actually re-ran this data um, thanks to the reporter and actually the data is even better. Um, we show that actually here that the higher social vulnerability indexed um, counties actually have higher vaccination rates. So you can see that here. Um, we're really excited about this data and just um, want to thank everybody in New Mexico and all the different uh, DOH providers, hospitals, everybody who's helped vaccinate um, New Mexico, our National Guard, our FEMA teams, and everyone else out there helping out providers every single day. So thank you. So another, um, another one of our reporters also asked us, um, I think it was Algernon from Las Cruces, asked us about the booster dose controversy and what's going on um, with some of the considerations regarding boosting for the COVID-19 um, vaccine. So the Lancet, which is a really great uh, journal for the medical world, really um, came out with a, a paper that kind of highlights some of the issues with the controversy around booster doses. It differentiates the, in this article between a third dose, which is if you haven't had enough immunity, you get the third dose, or the booster dose, which is you know what happens when your immunity starts waning after a while of having a vaccine. Um, in this article, they talk about the risk of introducing boosters too soon or too frequently. So for instance, um, issues such as maybe myocarditis, if, if you, know, you introduce a booster too soon. Um, so there's, there's a lot of cautions also in this article talking about the preliminary nature of the existing studies around booster doses and um, whether or not you know, those, those studies uh, went deep enough. So as also had questions whether like declining antibody levels that were shown in some of the studies actually means you have waning immunity or not. Um, this isn't gonna be a immune you know, lecture or anything like that, immunology lecture, but basically there's different types of cell, cell immunity that you can get. And, uh, and maybe sometimes one type of immunity might not show that, um, that there could be other cell immunity that, sh that will help you be protected. Um, the bottom line though, is that the available vaccines are safe, effective, and they save lives. Uh, next slide. And so the Lancet does stress that vaccines are effective and that even after Delta became the most common variant, fully vaccinated people had reduced their risk of infection by five times, um, their risk of hospitalization by 10 times, and their risk of death also by 10 times. So just 
Um, once again, the article talks about, yes, vaccines offer strong protection against COVID-19. So stay tuned. Uh, we won't know what the final answer is until the FDA committee has a meeting this Friday on September 17th. Um, and we're anticipating the CDC and the ACIP to discuss at the meeting whether or not we're going to need booster doses and whether it's six months, eight months, or 10 months after your last dose. So um, don't, uh, don't worry, the DOH, we're actively planning for boosters, but we're really waiting for definitive guidance. And once again, this map shows how well the U.S. is doing compared to other places in the world. And just remembering that, yeah, getting that first dose, those primary doses, your first and second dose, is gonna be the most effective way we're gonna battle this pandemic. Next slide. And uh, once again, just a reminder to work with your provider for getting your COVID-19 vaccine. Um, COVID-19s, like other vaccine, eventually should all be given in providers' offices or um, you know, the like flu shots. So it's a really actually great timing that you can get both your flu and COVID-19 together in the same arm if you want, not in the same place, but in the same arm. And um, that's very common. People give vaccines all the time, multiple. And uh, ask your provider if they're currently gonna give COVID-19 vaccines. And if not, when they'll be making that available. And the DOH is already working with um, medical and pharmacy providers to be ready for potential booster doses. So go to TakeCareNewMexico.org if you're a provider. And uh, thanks so much for participating and helping us vaccinate everyone in New Mexico. Thanks. Um, okay, so now there's a New Mexico shifting gears. We're going to talk about the COVID-19 testing update. So how are we doing on testing? Um, here's our test... Um, tests that are resulted by week. So you can see that, you know, um, we're continuing to do a lot of testing in New Mexico. And we had over um, 50,000 um, tests last, just la this week, past weekend. Next slide. Um, here you can see our test positivity rate. And um, here is the target, which is 7.5. So anything below 7.5 test positivity is good. That means we're testing enough um, in the population. And here we have um, at 6.5%. So we're doing pretty good. Um, basically remember some reasons why you should get tested. So next slide. Um, we're seeing, um, oh, once again, you know, get tested if you're symptomatic or um, you need to, if, if you're, if you've been, in contact with someone with COVID. Here's our New Mexico turnaround time, not gonna spend a lot of time on that, but you can see that um, pretty much, you know, it's it's pretty fast turnaround time, especially our, our statewide testing sites. They're really turning around, um, like shout out to our state lab, uh, turning it around in less than two days. Um, our Southwest labs, our Tricor labs, they're they're all doing great in turning around testing times. And just a little reminder for those who are getting screening testing, um, Vault, you can do it at home and, um, and yeah, you can have that done. So children and adults get tested for COVID if you have COVID symptoms. If you don't have symptoms, but we're in close contact to a positive case, you don't have symptoms, but live or work in a high risk or congregate setting, 
or your patient scheduled for surgery or hospital admission, regardless of your vaccination status. And remember that it is free at no cost to New Mexicans. And, you know, if you do have insurance, they will, you know, bill your insurance, of course, but um, otherwise they're not going to charge you. And you can visit findatestnewmexico.org or you can call our hotline to get some testing. So scheduling a test is easy. Um, and uh, once again, we encourage all screening tests. If you're a worker um, having to test because you've unvaccinated, uh, please use Vault or Curative Plan Ahead. Um, and if you're symptomatic or close contacts, testing, um, which is diagnostic testing. You can use your local hospitals, public health offices, pharmacies, doctor offices, and curative tests. And we also have over-the-counter rapid tests that you can use as well. So yeah, keep on testing if you have a symptom or if you need to do it for screening purposes. Thank okay, you. thanks so much, Laura. That was great. And uh, I'm really uh, <clears throat> pleased to have you doing more of the presentation and keeping track more of this, did a great job, so thanks. You know, it's my privilege also to uh, introduce as a new participant today, Kurt, Dr. Kurt Steinhaus, our new designate Secretary of Education for the Public Education uh, Department. And uh, I was present at Kurt's uh, announcement and press conference for him starting. I was really inspired and impressed by the work he did. I think. One of the things we're excited about is that Kurt brings to state government many years of being an actual school superintendent. And the fact is he's spent 16 months in Los Alamos being the school superintendent during the pandemic. So has had to wrestle uh, with folks on the front line every day with managing this pandemic and, and balancing the obvious advantages of in-person learning with the need to keep our staff and our students really safe. And so, Kurt, I'm gonna turn it over to you. And uh, uh, you know, uh, you're here by uh, popular demand from the press as well. They've wanted to hear more about what's happening in schools. And so uh, uh, congratulations for being here. And, and Kurt will also stay and be available for questions at the end uh, as usual. Thank you so much, David. And it's great to be with everybody. Uh, building on uh, what David just said, when I was given the opportunity to be part of this press conference, my first thought is this will be my chance to reach out and extend a huge thank you to our teachers and our staff, um, including school nurses who are there on the front lines every day being our heroes. And so I'd like to ask everybody who's on this, on this Zoom session and um, Facebook Live to take a minute to thank a teacher. You don't need to buy them flowers, but um, if you're a parent, just a handwritten card, or, you know, this is the year of literacy. So if you want to, you could volunteer and give a teacher a 10 minute break and go read a book to a class. So let's thank all the school staff. On the next slide, um, we have a high level summary of some of the work that we're doing to keep schools open and to keep our staff and our kids safe. We follow the public health order and that includes vaccinations weekly for staff who aren't vaccinated. I, I mean, um, it means testing for those who aren't vaccinated. Um, we're working really hard to increase testing op options and including on-site COVID testing 
for staff and students. Um, every school district is working right now on what we're calling enhanced COVID safe practices. And we've got a list of about um, 30 or 40 options for school districts to consider. Um, we are also um, supporting our schools to sponsor clinics. When I was a school superintendent, I found the Department of Health and our local county officials really good in working with us to sponsor those clinics. And we're also um, working every day to encourage folks to get vaccinated. The next slide um, gives you a, one graph that's a little hard to read. So this graph is about students and staff on campus while they're infectious. And if you look at the little bump over to the left, the darker blue line at the top is students. The light blue line at the bottom is staff. And so you can see we had a little bump when we went back to school in April and May. And then that flight, flat line that's being pointed to right now is the summer. We didn't have um, very many staff and students on campus. We did have lots of summer school going on. And then back in August, you can see we went back to school and things bumped up. But as you can see over on the left of the slide, uh, the really good news is I'm um, happy to report that um, campus infections dropped 37% last week when compared to the week before. And the last thing on this slide that's really important to mention is that in-person learning it's in the research is really important. And if you've got a kid, you know, kids do better when they're able to come to school. So we're working really hard to keep schools open and keep them safe. On the next slide, um, we, we've got some graphs about um, COVID-19 surveillance testing. And um, I'm also really happy about our partnership with the Department of Health. They've secured an additional $63 million from the federal government to provide in-school testing, and that will be rolling out in the next couple of weeks. If you look at this chart, um, it's by week, and you can see a big orange bar there when we went back to school. But go over to the right side where it says 0.74. So currently, we're operating over less than 1% positivity rate. And that's really good news. And we're going to work really hard to keep that. And Kurt, I just want to jump in and call sure. everyone's attention to the fact that just earlier we were celebrating the fact that the statewide test positivity rate had dropped below uh, 7.5%. So uh, we're really doing a great job on staff testing in the state. And, and uh, this means we're uh, the, this low number below one or in the one range means we're doing uh, we're we're really doing an exceptional job with this asymptomatic testing. So good job, Kurt, thanks. Thank you, Devin. On the next slide is um, a quick summary of some of the enhan enhanced COVID safe practices that we're following. Um, you know, at, at one point you may have heard that um, last uh, May when we went back to school, if there were four rapid responses within a 14 day period, um, school was gonna be closed. Well, we figured out a way to not do that anymore and make it a local decision. So if a local school board uh, sees that they've got an infection rate that maybe looks like they need to pause and transition to remote learning for 10 or 14 days, 
that's a local decision and that's working exceptionally well and and the data plays that out. Um, we're also, as I said a few minutes ago, having each school district by October 1st send us a COVID enhanced safety plan. So what does that include? Well, it could include increased outdoor learning. Uh, when I was a, a school superintendent, um, we invested money to build shade structures at every single school to make it easier and more convenient and more comfortable for the kiddos when they're learning outside. Um, extracurricular activities or limiting the attendance at those, um, prohibiting spectators, even student cohorting, what's that? Well, that's creating groups of students that come on at certain days or go to certain parts of the school. And that helps with uh, COVID safety enhancement at all. And then um, over on the right, you've got a, a nice picture of some kids who are wearing masks. And by the way, New Mexico kids have been incredibly cooperative and for the most part doing a great job wearing masks. But if you're a, a parent and you're worried, uh, what happens if we get to a high level of COVID infections. Well, the Department of Health does have the authority and the responsibility to come in and close a school or just um, conduct an inspection to find out what's going on. Next slide, um, we've got a big circle graph. And if you imagine that circle is all the schools in New Mexico, since school has started, we've only had 30 schools decide on their own local decision to transition temporarily to remote learning. And that's about 3% of our population. Um, the public education department has not closed a single school uh, this school year. And um, we're just really happy about this data and we're gonna continue to work to keep this um, positive record. And on, on my last slide, um, I've got a little bit of information about um, our mobile vaccination clinics. The graph you're seeing is something that we use out on social media, but we have just this school year already 59 school-based vaccinations that have been held. And I'm really happy about that. And then I'm also pleased to announce today, we are um, releasing a brand new social emotional learning site called New Mexico Cares because um, behavioral health, mental health, uh, all of this is a part of the work we're doing in helping all of us, the students and the staff, um, get through this COVID pandemic. And with that, I'll pass it back to my DOH partners. Thanks so much, Kurt. And uh, I'm gonna run through some data for uh, the rest of uh, uh, the pandemic, but first Laura's gonna dive into some detail about uh, the new federal grant and supporting school testing. Laura. Thanks. Yeah, this would be pretty short. Um, we're so excited of what, about what you're doing, Kurt, and thank you so much to all the teachers too. I am a fan of teachers. You guys are my heroes. Um, your work is so, so hard and so necessary. So yeah, we're excited about the partnership we have with uh, New Mexico um, public education department to support our schools and keep our kids safe and healthy for in-person learning. Uh, next slide. This is support that's made possible by um, the CDC's epidemiolo epidemiology and laboratory capacity um, funding. It's $63 million and 85% of that is for school COVID testing and screening. 
It's for uh, public school districts and charters, non-public, Bureau of Indian Education and tribal schools. And it's really being administered together, um, DOH and PED. So we're very excited about this. Uh, next slide. Um, so it gives really flexible and customizable options at no cost to the schools. Uh, working with PED, um, we found that really what schools wanted was to have an ability to choose whether they want to do this um, full service testing with this group that we have called Premier Medical Group, um, or they can get trained in testing um, and do it themselves and also have supplemental funding to each school. So this is um, some of what we're going to be doing together. Next slide. Um, so far, uh, 62 schools uh, have, have registered for the program and over 30,000 education staff had, have been tested and over 184,000 students have also been tested for COVID through this program. Um, this just shows kind of the registration by school type that, um, that has been done with this program as well as the registration by region. Next slide. And uh, so we are excited about having more schools sign up for this. There's a one-stop portal for, um, the, for all the COVID school testing information and registering for program options. Um, so schools must apply to participate. And so we encourage all of you schools to um, participate and apply here at this uh, website, NewMexicoSchoolsCOVIDTesting.com. So now I'm going to turn it over to um, my amazing secretary, David's Grace. Thanks again, Laura. And uh, we'll run through this fairly briefly to give plenty of time <clears throat> for questions. And uh, uh, first slide, uh, a mindset. Brianna, you can see some good news here. Uh, everyone at DOH is, is now willing to concede that we're on the downslope of this pandemic. Uh, we predicted it about three weeks ago. We leveled off about two weeks ago, and now we're finally uh, headed in a downward trend, as you'll remember, and I'll go over <clears throat> still another week or a few more days than that for hospitals to go through their uh, crunch of volume. We'll talk about that. And unfortunately, still another month of seeing probably relatively high uh, counts of the number of people who die each day from serious COVID infections. Next slide, please. Uh, you know, I, I wanted to just point out there is a, a, so many great uh, epidemiology reports. Christine couldn't be here today. She says hello to all of you and was texting me data from today on the epi report, but we're still a pretty red state. Um, and you can see we do have a yellow and a blue county and uh, in the in the boxes up there, uh, the, they sort of point to the second row. They should point to the first row. I missed that. But uh, red, which is what the state is at, is still at more than 300 cases a day, which in New Mexico works out to exactly, uh, uh, you know, that 14.29 seems like an odd number. But for us, 14.29 uh, cases per 100,000 is exactly 300 cases a day. Orange 150 to 300. You'll note that we did sustain uh, the uh, mask, indoor masking mandate uh, in the public health order again. People are going to ask, well, 
when are we going to take that away and, you know, get back to me uh, with that question when we're at least down in the range of orange. And that's probably the time we'll revisit uh, what we want to do there. Next slide just gives you the, uh, the, the variant breakdown. And again, from the national level, from the CDC on the left. And New Mexico is a very, you know, for the size of our state, we, we do a lot of per capita sequencing every week. We're a big contributor to all the papers you see coming like COVID net papers from CDC. New Mexico is a big part of that data as well. But you can see uh, as of the end of August, we were still at 100%. There's a two week lag and uh, this reporting because of the time it takes to run the test, but we're still all Delta. And that actually, believe it or not, is good news. It means no other variant has infiltrated. I also wanted to deal with a question last week, and you're going to have to squint for this one. But if you look at July 3rd there, and Brianna, maybe you could point to it where it says mu, mu, mu. You can see the week before there was a little sliver of mu. The week after you can't see, but trust me, there's a little green sliver behind the lambda there, and then it went away. So we've had mu come and go in New Mexico already. There's a lot of significant hype about this virus, but for now in any way, it was not able to gain, gain any kind of foothold in the state, probably because it uh, Delta clearly out-competed, uh, if that's a word, uh, the mu uh, variant. So our uh, state lab, Director Mike Edwards has a low level of concern over mu, which as you know, is a very uh, variant of interest, not concern. But last week, last time I said, I didn't think we'd seen a case of mu in New Mexico. Uh, Christine properly corrected me. I was thinking about the last couple of reports I'd seen, but if you look back, you can see how it came and went. That doesn't mean it can't come and go again. It just means at the present time anyway, it can't compete against Delta. Next slide. Uh, I wanted to just highlight nursing homes because it was so central to the first wave of the pandemic where we had many of our initial outbreaks in uh, nursing homes. We really limited uh, visiting substantially as did CMS. Then with new uh, Center for Medicaid and, and Medicare Services, we backed off on that. There is some visiting. I'll just really briefly, let's look at the very, very right uh, side of the curve. And you can see the highest number of cases. And, and so, you know, in uh, this is nursing facilities and assisted living facilities and the number of staff and the number of uh, uh, <clears throat> residents are about the same, actually, uh, particularly in nursing facilities. You can see the highest number of cases have been in staff who've been symptomatic, followed by staff who've been asymptomatic, followed by uh, uh, residents who've been symptomatic and then asymptomatic. We have a very robust uh, asymptomatic uh, testing program in nursing homes, as you all know, and that continues. But this is disturbing to see this number of cases and in residents, and it is a risk. So. If we go to the next slide, I just wanted to remind people what the visitation standards were uh, currently in, in New Mexico. And so it, it, you can break it down by whether the resident is vaccinated or unvaccinated and whether the visitor is unvaccinated uh, or vaccinated. And 
And you can see unvaccinated residents still receive an awful lot of protection uh, that's guided by our federal partners as well for closed window or virtual visits only. Vaccinated residents can have more uh, visitors, but if an unvaccinated visitor comes to visit a vaccinated uh, resident, then there's a little bit tighter control. I just wanted to show this to let you know we haven't lost track of that. Katrina Hotram Lopez, our aging secretary, and myself are working closely on this. And I think we're going to revisit that. Our MAT medical advisory team is looking at it again as well and trying to figure out what can we do during times of significant spread to better protect both staff and residents in our facilities. So this is more of a stay tuned one, no changes, uh, you know, in the next week or so, but under discussion. Next slide, please. <clears throat> this is a continued graph and uh, on the X axis on the bottom, it's the percent of the population in each county that's fully vaccinated. So you can see the lowest being still Roosevelt, below 40% fully uh, vaccine. This is the entire population. So all the people, not just 18 plus that we're used to seeing. And then on the, on the y-axis, the, um, the vertical axis there, the number of cases per day per 100,000 population, which is how we compare county to county to county. And you can see this line as we get more data and get more people vaccinated.